Welcome to the Responsibly Different mini-series focused on uplifting, sharing, and celebrating the women in and around the B Corp movement. 
it already has been observed that women make a, put a lot into society and that we shouldn't just get a week. We should get more. Heck yeah. Um, <laughs> one might argue a month isn't enough either, but here we are anyways. So uh, Nafor, share with our audience what what maybe are you going to do in the month of March to help celebrate um, women and women's contributions to society? Well, my big thing is food. I love food. I love um, trying out new places. And Women's History Month is a really nice time to go to female-owned restaurants, um, especially because there is a bunch of really great female chefs in the Boston, Cambridge area where I live. For those of you listening that also live in this area, I definitely recommend Field and Vine, um, which is a Sarah Markey restaurant, and Juliet, which is a wonderful cafe um, by Katerina Giazzeri. And they have incredible stuff. So that's how I'll be celebrating. I can't wait to join you there. <laughs> For myself, I do love food, but I also really love to sit on the couch and just relax. So I do watch a good amount of movies. And I will say two of my favorite movies that I think do a good job of celebrating women um, is Hidden Figures. Um, so I will probably be rewatching that movie. Great movie. Yeah, it came out in 2016. Um, and I went to school for environmental science. So I like to be reminded that there's women in the science field. So recommend that movie. And then the other movie that came out recently that I really enjoyed is The Swimmers. So fun fact about me, I care a lot about the Olympics and a lot about sports. And The Swimmers is a movie on Netflix that uh, just talks about two sisters who kind of went through it to follow their dreams of becoming Olympic swimmers. So it shows you how tough women are and um, the struggles that they'll go through. That sounds nice. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> Great. Then let, let me know what you think. We can do a, a movie club about it. A movie night and order takeout from a female-owned restaurant. <laughs> that sounds like a great way. I challenge everybody to do something similar. <laughs> um, yeah, so that gets me into the relationship that Nippur and I have. So this is obviously a pretty candid conversation. Nippur and I are really good friends at this point. Um, and since I got it wrong, Nippur, do you want to remind me and the audience how we met? Yes, absolutely. Brittany did get it wrong. Um, <laughs> which, which goes to show that though you can be very good friends, you will not remember how you met each other. But Brittany was doing an incredible job being one of the chairs of the um, B Leadership and Development Conference in the B Corp community. And they had a bunch of teams, um, a bunch of speakers lined up, and just sort of the chaos that comes with figuring out how to get everything together. And at that point, Brittany and her co-chair brought me on as a consultant. And I consulted, I think this was in 2019? No, 2020? One of those. And we had a really lovely time and got to hang out a bunch um, and then realized that we like to hang out even when there is no work to do, especially when there is no work to do. Especially when there's no work to do. Yes, I agree with that part. Yeah. But I think what's so cool about the friendship and the bond that we created was that we did, we connected through the work that we were doing, which although so, so different at the time, we found a way to, to help and support each other. Which brings me to my next point about how you were so helpful in helping to support women. So through some past work that I was doing, I was able to connect with you and bring you on to continue to uplift and support women 
through some training sessions. So tell me about Habitus, the company you work for, what do you do? And yeah, you're a B Corp. Tell me about that. Yeah. Habitus is a B Corp. We love being a B Corp. And essentially what we do is we do training, one-on-one coaching, group coaching, facilitating, et cetera, et cetera, kind of those interpersonal um, professional development gatherings where essentially there's four areas that we focus on. And Habitus is really big about have a few lanes and stay in your lane, but be really, really expert at them. And we build them kind of based on what our team geeks out on. And the things that our team geeks out on are negotiation and all things related to negotiating, having difficult conversations, um, designing effective meetings and uh, meeting practices, and then behavior change. And so those are kind of the four things that we focus on. And then around those areas, we have people come and say, well, I'm having a lot of trouble setting boundaries in the workplace. Um, How can I do that? Or have a team come and say, we really want to know how to negotiate with our clients better. How should we do that? Um, And so based on what their challenges are, we design a training program for them, which is a lot of fun, as you know, Brittany. I I do know, and I've been able to be a part of some of that. Yeah. Um, And Nipur, would you say that these trainings are only for upper level management or can anybody take these trainings? They're actually for anyone. So um, I've done trainings with women that are executive level and I've done trainings with women that are interns um, and everywhere in between. And it's especially because no matter what level of a company you're at, things like being a better manager, managing your manager, setting boundaries, having hard conversations, giving feedback, We just all struggle with them all the time and the tools never stop being developed. And the nice thing is it's my job to know what the tools are, what's coming out, and then how do you use them? And so for the people that are just not keeping up because it's not their job, it's my job to say, well, based on what you're going through, here's a tool that might work best for you. So it's kind of like OkCupid, but for people's professional problems and then the tools they need. And everybody (laughs) understands that. Um, okay, so I do want to I want to point out that yes, we are talking during Women's History Month, and yes, this series is about empowered women, empowering women. But you work with more than just women, and the tools that we're going to be talking about today are for for everybody. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned boundary setting, and I know from uh, past experiences working with you, you really helped me hone in my boundary setting skills. And I want to bring the the audience through a little bit of a personal story here because I think it's so funny. But I don't know if you remember this, but there was one time, it was towards the beginning of our friendship and we weren't just work friends. And you texted me a work thing to my phone. And I was like, no, 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 Napoor. This is my personal phone number and only personal messages get sent here. I remember. And it stuck with me so much because it was the first time that I like stood up for the boundaries that I needed to create. And I was really struggling with work-life balance. And I'm sure I'm not the only one out there who is or ever will struggle with work-life balance. Amen. So, So I guess like my question to you here is like, around boundary setting, is there any support or comments or tips, tricks that you can give to our audience that's listening? I think a really simple one to start with is when you're setting a boundary, there's a couple of things that are important to remember. 
The first thing is communicating not only what the boundary is, but what the boundary does. Um, Because sometimes saying, hey, can you not text me on my phone about work things? Because I know you and you're my friend, I understand that that's about your work-life balance. Someone else might not. And one of the primary reasons why people don't set boundaries is because they're worried about how it will impact the relationship that they have with that person. And a really easy way to save your relationship is to say, hey, Nipur, I'm really working on my work-life balance. And one of the things that I want to try is having people email me for work stuff and text me for personal stuff. Are you down to try that with me? Um, And it's a really easy way to say, I love you. Help me do this thing that I'm trying to do. And not, can you not be in my personal space? I also want to pull out of what you just said, the importance of the words that you just used. Because so again, from going through some of your trainings, I know that you work so hard with the person that you're working with to make sure that they're trying on the language that you're using and that it works for them. Like, let's stay here for a second. And can you elaborate a little bit more on like, how much do the words mean that people are saying? And does it, it doesn't just mean something that like they're saying it, but it also means something to the person they're saying it to. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings me to my second thing about boundary setting, which is the way that you communicate it makes the entire difference around whether someone will uphold it and whether they'll support you um, in your endeavor. And so one of the things when we think about boundary setting is essentially, you know, what do you want to communicate to the other person about their role in your boundary? Um, right? Because when someone respects a boundary, they give you something and you want to tell them what they're giving you um, so that they know that they're contributing positively and being appreciated um, instead of being negatively reinforced. And so one of the things that, Brittany, you know, in my one-on-one coaching and my group trainings, one of the things I say is, one, if you hear me say something and you liked how that sounded, write it down, steal it, use it, repeat it, give it to other people. Um, because it's really hard to come up with the words. And the second thing is, if you hear a piece of advice and I say, okay, well, let someone know what your boundary gives you um, as means of a gift. And you're like, mm, how how do I say that to them? How do I say, here's the gift that you're giving me um, in a professional way? You can ask me and I will help you craft it. Um, but I think one of the things that I've seen stops people, especially women, Um, from setting those boundaries or from having those difficult conversations is the fear of like, oh my God, what if I say it wrong? Um, And it's a very real fear. And coming up with those words until you practice a little bit can seem really daunting. So I always advise, even if you don't have access to me or a coach, run it by a friend, Um, practice it with your partner, whatever helps you kind of become comfortable with the words. Hmm. I really like that. So You do specific women-focused coaching and training, and is that something that you run through often with with those humans when when you're working with specifically women? Yeah. And, you know, it will be, it would be interesting to see, Brittany, you experienced this when we work together, but oftentimes at the beginning of my women's workshops, I do a poll to get a sense of the room and where people are in their difficult conversations, boundary setting. And it more often than not is the case that everyone's scared of the same four or five things. They're scared of the four, same four or five results from having set a boundary. Um, and it's things like, I'm worried people won't like me. I'm worried that I 
will be passed up for a promotion. I'm worried that I'll come across as cold and selfish. And this is something that's important, I think, for women to remember is perception is a huge part of how we've been trained to exist. And we've been trained to think of ourselves in our roles and not as people, uh, as the people that we are. And so when I'm saying, well, Brittany is my friend. And so the only way that I can be validated is if I meet all of the expectations of a friend. Or Justin is my coworker, and the only way I can be validated is if I meet all the expectations of a coworker. Um, and so we work on pleasing not only the people, but the roles that we play. And that's kind of where we get caught up in the not being able to just say what we want to say. Um, and I think that's an important thing to work on. I, I would have to agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think we're all guilty. You know, I don't think you'll find even a professional development coach that doesn't sit down and wonder, oh my God, should I say this thing? Will my partner be mad at me if I say it? Like having the tools doesn't mean we know how to use the tools. And so even in training and coaching, there's two parts to it. The first is I tell you what the tool is. And then the second is we run through it four, five, 10 times until it stops feeling like metal in your mouth and you actually can say it. Well, and just because you know the right way to handle a situation doesn't mean that you always handle it right. Totally. That's across the board, no matter who you are. So, So, Napoor, something that I think might actually be useful for our listeners is to see how in a training you might workshop something. Um, So we actually got emailed, um, content at Deergo Collective, if anybody else wants to email us. Um, we got an email from a listener that said that they they felt like in a meeting setting, so virtual meeting setting, they felt like their opinion was blatantly being ignored. So they would share it out with the group and nothing would happen. And in preparation of this series, they were wondering if there was a way that we could workshop how how we might be able to help them have their opinion heard and be considered again? And what what should they do? How, how should they approach the situation? How should they talk to their boss? How should they talk to their team? How does a woman in a non-managerial role feel like they're being heard? Oh, I think we've all, we've all been here. We are all this woman uh, at some point in our lives, um, at many points in our lives. And the first thing I will say is, Um, As you prepare for having this conversation, um, really remembering that one, because someone ignored it doesn't mean that it's a bad opinion or a bad idea. And it's just really important to walk in remembering that um, because it's really easy to get toppled over in the face of someone ignoring your ideas. So remember, good idea, good opinion. And your challenge is not how do I have better opinions? Your challenge is how do I be better heard? And that's a problem that we will talk about how to solve. So the first thing to consider is um, who is your boss and what is their personality? Some of us have very hierarchical managers. And so if you were to stop them in a meeting and say, well, actually, Bob, I just said this thing and I really want your feedback or I want you to react to it, it won't go over well. Um, And in the cases where you have a hierarchical structure, um, taking it out of the meeting and into a one-on-one conversation is a good place to start. So one of the things that you could consider doing is if you have a one-on-one 
um, you can plan to bring it up there. If you don't, you want to write them an email and say, hey, I'm really glad we're collecting ideas for this project. Um, I have one that I uh, wasn't able to share in the meeting, but really want your thoughts on. Um, and so I'm planning to bring it to our one-on-one or um, do you mind setting up a one-on-one so that I can tell you about it? So just setting the stage, letting them know that there is this thing that you want to talk about. Um, one of the things that you don't want to do is an ambush. And sometimes people say that this is something that they've been advised to do, right? It's just show up at a meeting and say, you did this thing. It wasn't right. Um, this tends to be a, a largely male tactic. And realistically, men are the ones that get away with doing stuff like that. Um, women oftentimes get reprimanded a little bit more for that kind of ambush. So you want to be really upfront about what you want to talk about. The other thing you want to say is when you get to the meeting, um, you both want to share your ideas and it's going to get heard and you're going to get feedback. Great. But the problem you're having is a pattern and you want your manager to change the pattern um, and the way that they talk to you or the way that they listen to your ideas. So once you've shared your idea, you've gotten their feedback and their thoughts, saying something to the effect of, Bob, I really appreciate the feedback you have. And here's what I'm going to do to flesh this out and send it to you. So just talk really quickly about next actions. And then say, you know, this brings up a thought about what do you think is the best way for me to communicate my ideas to you? Um, I tend to come up with a lot of them in our meetings. And I want to make sure that they're heard and we get to collaborate on them. Um, So what do you think is the best way to do that? And framing it that way does two things. One, it very subtly says, hey, you've been ignoring me for a long time, and now we're about to solve this problem. And two, it says, you've been ignoring me for a long time, and so now the solution is also your problem. You tell me how I should bring this up in a way that you'll actually listen. Um, And the nice thing about doing that is if Bob says, oh, well, you know, when you're in the meetings, um, just hit the hand raise button and make sure that I call on you. And if I don't in five minutes, then just put it in the chat and interrupt me. And you can hold them accountable to the advice that they gave you. And now suddenly they can't back out of a solution that they proposed. Listeners, I feel like you need to rewind and then listen to that again. (laughs) Because that's what I want to do. And I want that to play on repeat because (laughs) that advice is perfect. But like in the simplest form, it's like, just clearly state your opinion and hopefully the person hears you because they care enough about you as a human. Yeah, absolutely. And keeping in mind that different managers care about different things, right? So there are some managers that really want to be like the buddy manager. They want to be your friend and they want you to trust them. Um, And in that, if that's your manager, you want to talk about collaboration. You want to say, Bob, I love working with you. It's so much fun fleshing out the ideas. How can we do it more? Right. And then there are some managers who are really status oriented. They want people to know that they're the manager and their opinion is right. Um, And if that's your manager, you want to do the, Bob, you always have such great advice. um, And I really appreciate your mentorship. Um, And here's another thing that I could use your mentorship on or your expertise on. What do you think? And so, kind of playing into the personality of your manager. Because essentially what you're doing is negotiating with them to get them to care about your idea, which, you know, we could have a whole conversation about how that's not a woman's job and we shouldn't have to do that, yada, yada. And the reality is we do have to do that. Um, And so how you do it can really 
be impacted by mm. what kind of personality your manager is. Wow. Really good insight there. Yeah. And if you have questions about that, write to us and we will get you some answers. Yeah, that too. We definitely can do that. Yep. We can help you out. So I think next I want to talk to you a little bit more about how society believes that women are emotional Mm. and that women don't know how to walk into the workplace and do their job without being emotional. And I will say from personal experience, I bring emotion into my job every single day and my emotion drives my passion to do a better job. So I will raise my hand here and say, I'm all for emotion being in the workplace, because I think that it makes me a better worker. But to the woman who is having a difficult time in the workplace and their boss maybe is saying that you're bringing too many emotions in, how, how do you advise a woman to have a difficult conversation if their emotions are high? Yeah. So first of all, I, I want to uplift what you said, Brittany, of if you are someone who is very emotional and you bring your full set of emotions into the workplace, good for you. Um, and we are seeing this so often where, you know, there is there has been a whole wave of people that have now realized that, oh my God, emotionally intelligent people make really good leaders and team members. Who would have thought? Um, and now you see, you know, I see this all the time in our in our work as trainers and coaches, where these days companies spend so much money on trainings to say, how do I make my team more emotionally intelligent? How do I make my team more emotionally vulnerable, more emotionally connected? Um, And this is a result of, you know, business culture for so long, neglecting the actual business benefits of having emotional team members. Um, And that being said, there is something to say about when our emotions get a little out of hand. And there is one thing that I advise all of us to do. This is something I do multiple times a year. I do with coaching clients, which is to sit down and say, what are the things that trigger me in the workplace? And what are the things that I need to watch out for? Because I know if this happens, I am going to feel emotionally really volatile. Um, And that looks different for everyone. For me, it is if too many people cut me off when I'm speaking, it's one of the things that really triggers me. And I know in that moment that I'm going to get very, very emotionally frustrated. Um, And it's good for me to have that on hand. So the reason I want you to do this is one, to have self-awareness, sure. But the second is to make a plan, right? And one of the things that um, we work on in our trainings and our coaching is to say, when you are emotionally triggered, when your emotions are running really high, the, there is only one thing that allows you to kind of move over the hump of being really emotionally frustrated, and that is time. And oftentimes we forget to take that time or we're not quite sure how to take that time because you're in a live meeting. So you can't really say, Brittany, hang on for a second. You cutting off really emotionally triggered me, so I'm going to go take three deep breaths and come back. We don't get to do that. So what do we do instead? And so some tactics are you know, saying something like, that's a really interesting point. Give me a second to write it down. Oh, I'm just going to take a note. Give me one second. Right. And that just gives you a few minutes to kind of take a note or scribble something or draw a flower um, and take a deep breath while you're doing it. Um, And the second thing is to say, 
you know, I really need to think about that. So let me get back to you. Um, remembering that you don't always have to respond right in the moment. And just saying, I'm going to get back to you will buy you some time. What we don't advise people to do is make decisions when you're in an emotionally triggered state. Um, and that's often what um, people run into when managers are saying, oh, you're bringing a lot of emotion into the workplace. Because women are actually naturally really good at suppressing what they're feeling in social settings. We are trained to do this from a very young age. If someone's making you uncomfortable, you grin and bear it. If someone's saying something weird, you just kind of chuckle and then move on, right? These are very common things that women are taught. Um, and so having the kind of having a plan for what you're going to do when someone is causing you to be really emotionally triggered is one way to do it. And then the other thing is to, I mean, if this is the kind of relationship you have with your manager, um, I've had clients who, you know, we work on a little script in our coaching session and then they go to their manager and they say, you know, one of the pieces of feedback that I've gotten from you is that I'm very emotional in the workplace where I'm bringing a lot of emotions. And the question I have for you is, um, when, when have you seen that happen and what effect does it have on my work? Um, help me create an improvement plan. Help me create a plan to change this behavior. Now, do you really want to create an improvement plan? No, because there's nothing to improve about having emotions. But what you want to do is get your manager talking to see if they're perceiving a different thing to be the cause, be the result of you being emotional. Um, and they might say, oh, well, I've seen that, you know, you, um, you get really emotional and then you cut people off in a conversation or you get really emotional and then you make a decision without letting me know. And so their problem is not that you're emotional. Their problem is either you're interrupting or their problem is they weren't consulted. Totally different things to solve that has nothing to do with emotions, but we won't know until we have that conversation. Wow. Again, I want to hit rewind and re-listen to that because so many good tidbits in there that I, I think everybody can take in, and use. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and I think you get to like some really good points there where sometimes people are just looking to use a cover as an excuse so to, to hide the real reason. And a lot of what you're doing with your clients and that I've been able to experience is we're really trying to uncover the root cause. And as women, we need to be supporting each other and not lying to each other. So if you see a colleague who's struggling, help them out and maybe you're role-playing with them so that they can have the confidence to then go to the manager that they are struggling with. So I, I love all of this. And again, just thank you for sharing it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think where um, I want to go next is around business practices. And I guess like, let's take out the idea of like talking one-on-one -on -one with employees and let's now pretend that we're now talking to the the founders. What advice do you have for a business to maybe try to make it a little bit more inclusive for women to share their voice and to share their opinion? Mm, there's a few different things to think about. And I will name a couple that I am not the expert in, but are worth thinking about. And then we'll talk about something that I am an expert in. The first is what organizational or operational system does your company use? For example, um, Habitus is um, a self-managed organization. 
And self-management is a concept where essentially it is a high trust, high autonomy system where everyone is responsible for a different area of the business and um, no one actually has a manager. Uh, and you you work together on things and you, you can report to someone if you're working on their project, they can report to you if they're working on your project. But as far as performance and your existence as an employee goes, um, there are no managers. So think about the oper- operational systems and then think about what do you build into those systems to make it equitable for everyone, whoever is in your space to share, say, if you're in a meeting. One of the things that really peeves me about meeting practices is say you're at a team meeting and your manager is saying, oh, we have this new project coming up and I want to hear your ideas. What do you have for me? What ideas do you have? And then they just open it to the room. Sometimes it can work. Oftentimes it doesn't work. Um, And the reason is the people that will speak up in that space are not always the people that have the best ideas. They're just the people that are the loudest. They're the extroverts. They're the people who love public speaking. Um, They're the people who love attention. And so you don't actually get a diverse range of ideas. Um, And that's not a employee problem. That's not, you know, you can't say, oh, well, your idea didn't get heard because you didn't speak up. No, no, no. That's a facilitation problem. You facilitated a poor meeting. So you only got half the good ideas in the room and you miss the other half. And so when you're saying, we have this new project coming up and I want to get your ideas, what we're going to do is just take two minutes to take some notes, write down your ideas, and then I'm just going to call on you in a round and give me what, give me your favorite one from your list and then go, go around and get one from everyone, right? But how you facilitate getting opinions really matters. The other thing that I will talk about, which is coaching and like training, it whether it's in the areas of difficult conversations, negotiation, et cetera, or if it's just like policy building. There are organizations out there whose job is to teach you how to make policies. There are organizations out there whose job is to help you implement um, you know, operational systems. There are leadership coaches. There's one-on-one. So like really trying to make use of um, the expertise around you. Because I think one of my least favorite myths of being a professional. Um, One of my least favorite myths about being a a business person is you're only a good business person if you know everything. And in what world? Um, And I think you're only a good business person if you look around and find the expertise and then lean on it, right? Because it's the, you know, it takes a village to raise a business. It truly does. Um, And who are you going to include in your village? So when you have those, um, you know, when you have team retreats, think about some training. When you have a little bit of professional development budget, say, hey, managers, we have a little bit of extra professional development budget. Does anyone feel like they need a coach? What are you working on? What would you like to work on? Um, So things like that. And then the last thing is um, things that Habitus is expert in, which is when we do coaching and when we do training, Um, The real thing that we want to think through with businesses is what barrier are you facing and what systems do you need to put in place? Because I think the true success of changing the culture of an organization is when you take all of the things that people commonly consider people problems, 
Like, oh, people don't speak up. Oh, we people aren't self-motivated. There is an autonomy. Um, people think of those as like, hey, my team is slacking off in some way. Hey, there's something wrong with the people culture of my company. But when you take people problems and you turn them into systems problems and you say, hey, my team's lacking autonomy, what system can I put in place that actually gives them some more autonomy? Hey, we're realizing that people aren't really sharing ideas very much in meetings. What facilitation system, what tool can we put in place that will help people share ideas more? And that will, one, create a culture where you're not blaming your team for the things that are going wrong in your company. But two, you're actually handing out really practical solutions. Because at the end of the day, if you're a business leader managing a team, you know how exhausting it is to manage a team. And you know that you can't do it forever. So why wouldn't you just give them the tools to manage themselves and collaborate on what that culture looks like? So many good tidbits. Wow. Again, um, <laughs> well, I want to say thank you to just sharing so much insight and wisdom with us because everything that you shared is so powerful. And I really hope people use it and hear it and listen and learn. Um, and of course, reach out if they need something or, or if they are struggling. So one thing that I'm super excited to share with our listeners is Napoor has been so gracious and she has extended a free coaching session for one of our listeners. So in the show notes of uh, this podcast episode, there will be a link where you can enter to win and we will randomly select one listener to win that that amazing one-on-one -on -one coaching session with Nepore. Details will be in the show notes about how to apply and the cutoff date. So make sure that you listen and learn and hopefully um, enter to win. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hanging out with one of you, hopefully multiples of you, um, and really working on whatever it is that will empower you to feel like an individual that goes out and seizes the day. And I will say, you know, um, as you're looking through coaching, resources, books, podcasts, I mean, there's so many things out there. And one of the things that I think can be challenging is the information overload of like, what do I read? What TED Talk do I watch? Like, what? how am I going to parse all this information? Um, and so if you ever want recommendations for books, talks, podcasts, other coaches, um, we have a big network of people that we love and support their work, and we're happy to recommend them. Um, and a small plug that I will make is Habitus recently um, published a book and I'm a big fan, but it's called Getting a Job That Loves You Back. And it addresses some of the things that I've worked on with um, women and with people in our coaching practice, which is just like, how do you figure out what you're meant to do? How do you figure out what your passion, your calling is? And then how do you actually take that idea and turn it into a job? Who do you need to talk to? How do you need to talk to them? Um, and so that's available um, on Amazon and Bookshop and all of those fun places. Um, so definitely check it out if you're looking for a job that loves you back. And if you haven't already listened to the episode, um, a few episodes back, Ben, my co-host, did an episode with Nepore's colleague, Justin Wright, and he is one of the three authors of that book. And they dig into it. So if this is your first episode with us, and you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to that one because you will also learn so much from Justin himself and 
Uh, you'll hear a fun conversation between the two uh, gentlemen that do that podcast. Well, thank you again, Napoor, for all of your wisdom, all your insight, your sharing, the learning that we just did. I can't thank you enough for being on the show and to helping us kick off this amazing month of celebrating women. Yeah, thanks for having me and happy Women's History Month. I hope you watch your female lead movies and eat your female made food. Um, And Brittany, you and I are going to go get some Earl Grey chocolate chip scones uh, at a really wonderful female bakery here in Somerville. Sounds like a wonderful date that I would not ever miss. Thank you all so much for listening. This series, Empowered Women, Empowering Women, was one thing I knew I wanted to bring to all of you, our listeners, from the start of working here at Deergo Collective. I really hope you all enjoyed this first episode, and please tune into the other episodes that together make up this whole series. As mentioned in the episode, we have linked in the show notes other books, podcasts, and coaches that you may want to consider looking over if this episode was interesting to you. We also have linked the episode with Ben and Justin talking about the book Napoor mentions, Finding a Job That Loves You Back. And, of course, the link where you can enter for Napoor's free coaching session. This session will be for one listener to have a free one-on-one session. Habitus website is also linked in the show notes, where I encourage you to reach out to Napoor and her team if you have any questions about what you heard, want to talk more, or maybe you just want to hire them to do a training for yourself or your company. I highly suggest that as I've gone through a few myself. Again, thank you for spending your time with us. We appreciate you listening, and we hope that you find this content relevant. Until next time, be responsibly different. This content is made possible by Deergo Collective, a media consultancy on a mission to turn consumers into activists, one purchase at a time. To learn more about Deergo Collective, visit the link in your show notes. This episode was produced by yours truly, Brittany Angelo and Ben Marine. Music was licensed from the B Corp certified Marmoset Music. To access more resources, visit responsiblydifferent.com. I can show you too like it's 1962